All right, guys, welcome to the Tegel Warriors podcast. It is July. Uh, this is going to be a very fun show. This has not happened in a while. Uh, it's probably a little bit my fault. But anyway, back on the show is Steve Hahn. Um, right now, this guy has a new gig. He is a reporter for FIFA Plus. How's it going, Steve? How's it going, guys? Long time, huh? It has been a long time, but it's going to be fun. Um, uh, disclaimer, warning alert, just there will be uh, no Huang Yijo hating this time around. <laughs> hey, when was that? Last year? Was that, was that like a year ago? I yeah, feel like a, that it, was... Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, like a year ago, right? Yeah, fun times, man. Fun times. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. <laughs> All right, and back with the honor of being the only other guy to have heard the Huang Yijo, the infamous Huang Yijo take live. Alan, how's it going, bro? It's going well. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a Korean soccer fan. I know there was the uh, All-Star game just yesterday. Um, I'm really excited to talk today. Um, and I'm also really excited to hear some of Steve's and, and Michael's thoughts. All right. Um, let's sort of just start like really light, guys. Um, the transfer rumors are flying. It's the transfer window in Europe. It's the transfer window in Korea. Let's sort of talk about some things that are going to be happening soon. Um, I kind of want to start off with, um, I guess, the guy that I just name-dropped. Um, what's going on with Huang Yijou, Steve? What's the latest? No, I guess uh, it's pretty widely reported now that um, he has agreed to join. I mean, how do you pronounce this team? And like, how, how would I? I, I don't want to butcher this with my American accent, but um, Nangt, I guess, is the, is the name of the club. Um, yeah, I mean, if he personal terms have been agreed, and I guess it comes down to transfer fees at this point. So, I mean, who knows? By the time this pod goes out, it's might it might it might actually be a done deal. But um, yeah, I think it's a smart decision for him to stay within France because that's a league that he's familiar with. That's a league where he sort of proved himself, and you know he can continue to write history there too because he's already the all-time leading goal scorer amongst Asian players in um, in, in France. So you know he's gonna reach that like what like 30 40 50 goals milestone at some point in his in, in his career if he continues to play there for years um so i think it's a good move for him uh i guess uh there's some level of disappointment amongst the fans uh because you know he because he didn't go to the premier league i mean i guess mike you didn't you you, you didn't think that was realistic to to begin with i'm not sure if i agree with you but um so yeah no i think it's a, i think it's a good move for him um to stay in france um but yeah, all the rumors. I mean, there were rumors about him even going to MLS. There were rumors about him going to Portugal. But yeah, I think this is the most reasonable decision that he could have made, to be honest with you. All right. Um, because Steve sort of called it out. But um, yeah. yeah, like when the, uh, you know, when fans were like, oh, he should go to the EPL. Like, I was just like, my my immediate thought was like, which club would actually play him as their starting striker in the EPL? Like, I was like, I just couldn't really pick a team and like i'm thinking about it now and i'm like maybe wolverhampton wanderers could use him because raul jimenez has been so poor lately but like i just didn't really buy it so for me just like hearing like fc nonsense the place he's going like i like that yeah um, I, I mean you know um i may i mean i mean maybe you're right maybe maybe the premier league would be a little tough for him um just because i mean i don't think it's an easy easy league for strikers especially and um, strikers like him, you know, he's not really a physical player, to be honest with you. You know, he relies on his agility. Uh, he's the kind of player who kind of relies on his, you know, quickness and stuff like that. So maybe the Premier League is not 
the most suitable league for him, but I certainly think he has the competitive edge to, you know, to try and play at the highest level. But, um, but I mean, hey, I, mean, I honestly I can't complain. France is one of Europe's top five leagues, and he's been playing well there for the last two three seasons. So, um, you know, in the end, I think he made the reasonable reasonable choice, and this is probably the best decision he could have made. You know, heading into the World Cup because he had to get out of Bordeaux. There's no question about that because they got relegated. There's no, there was no way he was going to stay. Number one because they're relegated. Number two because their financial troubles won't allow them to keep him. So, um, considering all of that, when you look at it from that standpoint, I think he made the right choice. All right, Alan, what do you have for us? What do you got to say? Uh, I pretty much agree with Steve here. Uh, the last bit about the World Cup. I think that right now is not the time for Huang Yijou to see like the highest league that he can play in. Um, I think right now is his time to you know keep getting reps in, keep playing games, keep scoring goals. Uh, so I think that this was a great move for him to like minimize um, the changes um, and then still play for a high high performing high performing league and, and get prepared for the World Cup this coming this coming year. All right, so we're gonna go to another Huang. Uh, let's talk about Huang Yinbum. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's going on with him? What's going on with his move? I think he's one another one of those players that's pretty widely known. You know the rumors that are that are you know out there right now. You know Fabrizio Romano reported a couple of days ago. Um, he's linked with Augsburg. He's linked with um, Olympiacos. You know, like I think there's also with with this rumor, there's some level of disappointment there too because the expectation is that he goes to one of the Europe's top five leagues, right? But man, I was looking through the squad for Olympiacos, and they have a really good midfield there. They have um, Valbuena, they have mm-hmm. Villa. You know, two you know France internationals who played for France relatively you know in, in in recent years. And I I can't remember his name, but their captain is a midfielder, and he also plays for Greece as well. So if he goes there, there's a there's competition for him, and mm-hmm. I think I think it's highly likely that he signs a short term deal if he goes to somewhere like Greece. Um, just because he's still on a contract with Ruben Kazan, I, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a way for him going going back there. But I think it might be a case where he, um, where he gets the move, uh, where he returns to Europe. But it might be a one year loan deal because I think that also gives him leverage too. Because next summer he'd be a free agent and he can pretty much pick and choose wherever he wants to go. Um, and I think this move that he's looking for this summer, it's. Pretty much, I think, you know, strictly for him to kind of gear himself up for the World Cup, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And if he goes to somewhere like Olympiacos, gets consistent playing time, and at the same time, he gets to compete against some of, some of the better players in, in, in Europe. I mean, I don't, I don't think it hurts him, but you also do have to take into account he's, you know, turning 26 this year. <laughs> Obviously not an old age, but, you know, you want to see him get to one of, the, one of the better leagues in Europe by the time he's about 27, 28. Um, do Augsburg want him just because of their connection with having Korean players a lot in the past and not having one currently? But that's like what's confusing to me about Augsburg is that they have a decent midfield. So I mean, I know rumors are there, but I'm not sure how realistic it is for him to go there. You know what I mean? So I mean, I I certainly think he has the ability to play in the Bundesliga. I do. Now I guess it's going to depend a lot on what what team he goes to, but. I'm not sure if Augsburg is the right move for him. And I'm not honest. I'm honestly not sure how genuine their interest is, to be honest. But um, I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's the best decision for him, to be completely honest with you, especially this summer with the World Cup only four months away. 
All right, Alan, this is something that we talk about in the Tavern group chat all the time, but goalkeepers. We talk about like just our thoughts on the Korean goalkeepers all the time. Um, what are your thoughts on Kim Sung-gyu moving to the Saudi Pro League to sign with, uh, I think it's Al-Shabaab? Like, what do you think about that? Um, I think it's a good move because right now Kim Sung-gyu is going to be the starting goalkeeper for a World Cup. Um, as much as we would love to see Joe, you know, relive his, his legendary performance in the last World Cup, Bento clearly has shown that, that Kim Sung-gyu is his starting goalkeeper. And I think that it, it'd be nice for him to, you know, get some get some reps in a, in a different league, uh, see how foreign players shoot, um, and, you know, kind of get that change in preparation for the World Cup. So um, in that case, I think that the change was good. Um, and I'm really hoping that it kind of gets him, you know, the the – the reps and the, the preparation that he needs to, to thrive in this coming World Cup. Yeah, what do you think, Steve? Well, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent just because, you know, he's got to get consistent playing time. It wasn't like he was going to Europe. Um, he could have stayed mm -hmm. stayed in Japan and just continue to get playing time that way. Um, but he wasn't playing for a very good team in Japan. Um, let's, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, let's get that out of the way first. But, you know, him going to Saudi Arabia, I mean, geographically, it's closer to Qatar. So maybe that helps them um, adjust to the, to the conditions in Qatar. I mean, maybe it doesn't, but that's just my, you know, that's, that's just what I'm, one, one of the things that I was thinking about. But, I mean, I don't know how that, how much that helps him. But at the same time, I mean, as long as he gets playing time at this point, at, you know, at his age, with the experience that he has, as long as he plays week in, week out, you know, you can't really ask for more. All right, let's end up this segment uh, where we just sort of ask Steve, as an insider, as a reporter, um, <laughs> are there any, like, K-League deals or um, just sort of under-the-radar things happening in the transfer rumor, transfer market that you want to talk about? You know, so, um, I mean, for, out of the K-League... Um, when Hwang Inbum did make the decision to go back there on a short-term loan deal, I did hear that Fenerbahce contacted his agent to just, you know, to see what his interest level is like to, to, to move to Turkey. But, you know, that was a time when he just returned to Korea. You know, he wanted to play there for a couple of months and then go back to Europe that way. And I don't think Turkey was one of his preferred choices anyway. Um, so that was more like a, you know, they didn't really enter negotiations from what I know. But... You know, there was uh, there was interest from the club for the player, but I don't think there was any progress on that. Um, other than that, I mean, like, I, to to some people this is really surprising, but Jo Young continues to get interest from a lot of you know, like minor. Uh, I don't want to say minor, but one of the like the, the smaller Europe, the teams in the smaller European leagues, you know, like Denmark. You know, maybe the Netherlands. He continues to get interest from from leagues like that. We'll see if it if it could materialize. I, I I'd be kind of surprised to be honest with you though, uh, just because it's been dragging on for so long. Um, because he's been rumored to move to Europe for about a year now, and like, you know, clearly he's a talented player. I think we all saw that at the under twenty three um AFC Championship as well. But he's gonna have to you know, score more consistently to finally earn that move to Europe. And you, one, one thing that you also have to think about is when, when a Korean player moves from K-League to Denmark and the Netherlands and things like that, it's highly likely that, that, that they would have to take a pay cut. And realistically, that's not really an option for a lot of these players. So um, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of like with, with Cho Young-wook, it's kind of hard to tell what's going to happen. I think it's more likely that he stays in Seoul. Um, another player, obviously, is Amon Sang. I think he's getting a lot of, like, I, 
I don't I don't think it's gotten to a point where they've entered talks with European clubs, but I know that the interest is there. So mm. uh, maybe something gets you know something progresses over the over the next couple of weeks, maybe or over the last over the next month or so. Uh, maybe that's a possibility, but uh, I don't think it's highly likely for any of the players in the K League this summer to earn a move to Europe. Because uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any progress there, in, like substantial progress, you know what I mean? So uh, we'll wait and see. But for now, it's been a pretty quiet summer transfer window for the K-League um, when it comes to uh, players, you know, exploring their, their chances to, to go to Europe. All right. Actually, I, I just thought of one thing that we should uh, talk about before we go on to the EAFF championship. Yeah. Um, when do you think the Kim Min Jae deal is going to be announced? How close is it? I mean, it's almost sounding like it's going to be announced any minute now, right? Like, but I do know that Stad Ren, they've been at the forefront of the race for a long time. Not, not. A, I mean, I can't say long time, but several weeks now, um, because they're the they were the first club to actually send their technical director to Istanbul to hold talks with Fenerbahce. Um, they beat Nap like Napoli. Uh, like they they beat them to the punch. Like they 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 sent their technical director before before Napoli did. They made an official bid before Napoli did, and it looks like they're progressing on their talks with with both the club and the player as well. So as of now, it's looking pretty likely that he'll 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 be he'll be heading to France. But you know how the transfer market is; things could change like any minute. But as of now, I think it's pretty likely that he he chooses France over 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 in Napoli and I would assume that his experience with Bruno Genesio um back in Beijing Guan played a played a big factor um in his decision if he did if he does decide to move on to to Stadren um but you know yeah we'll see but it's looking quite promising that that he's that he's headed to France this summer all right that that, that was a really fun transfer uh was it market? <laughs> yeah, that was a fun transfer market. I love talking about the transfer market. And yeah, anything no, it's good. And like you know, um, I'm actually looking forward to Inbum seeing where he's headed to. You know, because I do mm -hmm. think he definitely moves this summer. I don't think there's a way he goes back to Seoul. I mean, maybe he does, but I, as of now, I think if he actually considered going back to FC Seoul, he probably would have never left to begin with after June. So mm -hmm. um, we'll we'll have to see. But I I think it's quite certain that 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 he's Europe bound. Okay, Alan, let's let you finish this off. Well, yeah, there is something that I really wanted to bring up real quick. Um, I read an article today that was saying that Lyon is probably going to be moving to Suwon FC. Um, so I just wanted to kind of get your guys' thoughts on that because, you know, at this point, he seems like he is definitely in contention to start at the World Cup. Uh, but his he has not been playing a lot for Jumbo this year, whether that be through injury-related reasons, through form-related reasons, or because of the signing of Kim Moon-Hwan. So I was wondering if you guys have any thoughts on that and and if you guys see a future of, of um, Korean soccer in the World Cup that includes the Young right now. Uh, yeah, um, I think, you know, if the World Cup started today, he would be my starting right back. And, you know, you mentioned this, you know, limited playing time at Jumbuk. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's having trouble starting every you know he's he, he's having trouble starting every every game pretty much like you know because the K League it's a pretty compact schedule this year because of the World Cup and all and you know when he has to play midweek games I don't think that's possible for him at this point 
which, mm-hmm. you know, is a concern because in the World Cup, you don't get a week of rest in between games. So you kind of have to think about that as well. But when you judge him, abilities alone, I think he's the starting right back for Korea. I mean, Kim Tae-hwan is, I think, is a very close second. And he's, I think he offers good competition there. Uh, so, I mean, like, I know a lot of people has like this disdain on both fullback positions for for Korea just because, you know, it's probably not the strongest positions for Korea but I think I actually think the right back positions you know they they have two pretty solid players who've proven themselves in the K League so I actually feel pretty good about the right back position but um you know with 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 Eong it's like you know he's also been playing as like this right-sided center back in a back 3 for Jungbook a lot this year with Kim Munan playing as a right wing back when they play a back 3 uh, so he offers flexibility there as well. And then when he plays as a center back on the right side, you know, he he can do what he does best because what he does best is, you know, playing those diagonal, you know, early crosses into the box. And that's, that that's like, I don't think anybody in Korea has a better cross than Young, to be honest. And I think, uh, I think going to Suwon FC is a pretty good move for him because I think that puts a lot of pressure off of him, honestly. Um, as he prepares for the World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, I like the move, to be honest. I mean, it might seem like a downgrade, you know, that he's going from Jumbuk to Suwon FC, but, I, like, I don't look at it that way because he's 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 already quite up there in age anyway. So it's I think it's the right time for him to kind of ease up a little bit and maybe, you know, start putting more focus on preparing for the World Cup because who knows what's in store for him after the World Cup. You know, he's already about like 26, 27. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. But injury is a big problem with him because he can't stay injury free for two, three months. Like every every month or every every other month, you know, we, we see him picking up another injury. So that's a that's a big concern. But, you know, in terms of his abilities, I mean, like, I honestly, he has my full trust. Yeah, I mean, he he's not going to be my favorite guy, but Steve's right. He yeah, does right. Everything right. he does, everything yeah. that a right back should do, and he does yeah. it the best in Korea. So that's really important. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like Suwon FC is a good squad. It's a good place to be right yeah, now. It's a solid team. It's a solid team. Yeah. yeah. All right, boys. Let's transition. Let's talk about this EAFF E1 football championship. Um, <laughs> first of all, I mean, it's got an interesting name. Um, so, Steve, I got to ask you, what yeah. is the EAFF E1 championship? What is it? Man, I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember this. And I shouldn't be old enough to remember this either. But I've been watching this sport since I was like four or five. So I actually remember this. They actually used to call this tournament the Dynasty Cup back in the 90s. Um I mean, so, like, it's not the same exact tournament, but that's what this tournament kind of evolved into. It evolved into this E1 championship. And Korean people actually call it the East Asian Cup in in, in, mm. in, in Korea. But anyway, um, back when it was the Dynasty Cup, it was just like a... It was like a two-team tournament between Korea and Japan, and they would play each other pretty much, like, every year. Um, and whoever mm. wins, like, wins the tournament. And if it's a draw, it goes to penalties. So it was actually quite fun. And, you know, like, I remember back in the 90s, it was very rare to see Korea lose to Japan. And there was this one time I was watching, I think it was, like, 1998 or something, Korea lost on, like, penalties or something. And it was, like, this huge shock in Korea that we lost to Japan. So, yeah, that, I think that's what kind of gave birth to this tournament. And then we started calling it the East Asian Cup. And then it sort of evolved. I, I mean, for lack of a better word, I guess we can say the word, we can use the word, like, it, it evolved into 
E1 football championship. So yeah, now it's a four-team tournament. You know, I would actually love to see this tournament kind of evolve even further and maybe merge with the Southeast Asian teams, maybe, you know? Like, I think that makes it a lot more fun with Australia involved too, maybe at one at some point. But yeah, I mean, it's in terms of like the interest level or the excitement level and things like that, it's, I mean, it's honestly a letdown because you see the squad for China, like only four players have ever played for their national team. The other like 25 of their players have never played for the national team. And they're pretty much bringing an under 23, under 22, you know, that national team to this tournament. So if it's like, you know, if you're Korea playing against a team like that, if you win, it's like, yeah, of course you have to win. But if you don't win, it becomes a massive disappointment and an embarrassment. So, you know, it's like the pressure's on Korea to actually win this tournament too, I think, because I saw Japan's squad. I mean, it's a decent squad, but they actually left out some of their better J-League players too. So, I mean, yeah, it's being hosted in Japan, but I think the pressure's on Korea to 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 win win the tournament just because when you look at Korea's squad, it's a pretty strong squad. I mean, yeah, no European-based players, but... At the same time, you've got several players who's, who are like highly likely to start at the World Cup for Korea. And when you you know look at it from that standpoint, there's no excuse for Korea to not win this tournament. All right, just sort of quickly, um, on the women's side, what I think is kind of cool is that um, Ji Soyeon actually gets to play this tournament for the first time in a while yeah. because uh, she didn't used to actually be playing in Korea, but yeah. she came back this year, so she's going to be at that tournament, which is really cool. I mm-hmm. hope they win this, but... Um, all right, let's go back to the men's side. Um, let's sort of break down this roster. Let's sort of talk about it. Let's, uh... <laughs> You're just going to move on that quick from Okay, Morris. okay, okay. Well, I don't know how much you want to talk about it. So do you guys want to... Do, do you guys want to like... like five seconds, man. Okay, 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 okay. Do you guys... Let, let's talk about it then. Let's uh, let's uh, talk about the women's Why roster. Even, let's talk I mean, about like, I don't mind not talking about it, but you mentioned it for like three seconds. Okay. <laughs> Come on. All right, boys. All right. Um, uh, let's do it. Okay, let's talk about the women's roster. Um, the goalkeepers are Kim Jung-mi... <laughs> Yujisu and Yun young who I like. Yun young is my favorite goalkeeper. Um, no, she's really, good, man. And it's, I think it's, I shocking think that, it, it's shocking that she doesn't have a club. Like, can you believe that? Yeah. Like, Yeah, I mean, I I hope her agent is doing his job and finding her the right club. But yeah, like, hopefully she finds her club soon because it's like, it's not good for goalkeepers to just sit around and wait for national team games. Especially if you consider the fact that Korea, you know, women's national team, they rarely play, man. Let's be honest. Like they've started yeah. playing more ever since Colin Bell got appointed. They're, they're investing more into their national team uh, like program, but yeah, they need to play more. They either need to play more games or they need to do something with the league so that it's actually more competitive. Because um, I think the way the women's football is being managed in Korea, it's getting better, but I think it needs an overhaul still. All right, um, yeah. Alan. That's why don't as you much as I'll our... say. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Alan. Why don't you get? Do you have the? Do you have the roster pulled up for the women? I do. Yep. Okay. Can you give us the uh, the defenders? Yeah, the defenders. We got Kim Hyeri, Shim Soyeon, Lee Youngju, Im Seonju, Jang Seulgi, and Hong Heji. All right. Um, I mean, they're sort of like it's it's pretty standard, right? Right, Steve. This is yeah, pretty standard I, for them. You know what? Well, what I don't understand about. You know, every time there's a squad announcement, they list Eungju as a defender, right? But when you watch the game, she doesn't play as a defender. She mostly plays as a midfielder. So I'm not quite sure what happens there. Maybe Colin Bell wants to list her as a defender, but be flexible with her, like in terms of choosing a position. I don't, I don't know what the deal is on that, but it's like even like against Canada, they listed her as a defender, but she was playing as a midfielder from what I saw. So I thought that was really strange. 
feel like she's like kind of like the CDM. So he like sort you of like yeah. missed her as a defender yeah, because he's just she's like, like CDM is defender, but yeah, like, she's, she's so good excellent. though. Yeah, she's really good on the ball. Like probably the best passing, you know, Korean woman's player for sure. And that's why she plays in Spain. Um, yeah. yeah, she's probably she's probably my favorite player, favorite women's player in, in, for Korea. She's not my favorite women's player. Uh, my favorite women's player is actually Jang Sergi because mm. um, I got to meet her a couple of years ago and she was the most shocked oh, by my ability to understand Korean. Oh. <laughs> so I was like interviewing her and the um the like the rep for like KFA, like you know, their managers like they're yeah. translating and then she's like, yeah. wait, he can understand Korean? And the guy's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, everything you say, he understands what you're saying. And she's like, Oh my god, like that's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to be like, that's not actually true, but I just like sort of played along. Yeah. <laughs> and um Jason ended up like translating her whole her whole interview, but she was like very oh, yeah. shocked, like very, you know. That's very cool, enthused man. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's my favorite. Anyway, let's go and, to midfield. And she's a good player. Yeah. She's so good. So yeah. good. Um, I think she's like she's like the best winger hybrid, like winger, wingback hybrid, like Korea's yeah. got in terms of a women's yeah, player. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In midfield, um, there's some new people that I don't know actually. So Kim Sung-mi, Kim Yunji, Imina, Jang Cheng, uh, Jo Soyeon, and Ji Soyeon, which is probably the last two are the ones everybody knows. Um, and the first two or three, I feel like not everybody knows, right, Steve? Alan, yeah, and I mean, like, I think the player depth for Korea, especially at women's level, it's like pretty thin. So anytime you get a new player playing for the national team, it's like it's highly likely that it's gonna be a name that it's gonna be a name that you you've that you've never heard of. But I mean, it's still pretty solid in terms of I think st when you consider what korea's starting 11 looks like i mean you have chi soyeon and cho soyeon i mean those are two of the best players in asia two, two of the best midfielders in asia and you know asia when it comes to women's football it's one of the stronger continents too so um and then and then you have somebody like imina who's technical and can play those passes into the final third so you know i actually like korea's chances in this tournament and i think it's long overdue for them to finally win it like right, they played Ellen, pretty well in the last tournament yeah. too. So no, you're you're absolutely right. Like I think yeah. the other thing is like we start with Japan, which is like yeah. the hardest game. So that's like yeah. a, a really good place to start. Just sort of like right. give yourself like the the hardest challenge first and see if you see what you can do there. Yeah. Uh, all right, Alan, let's finish up with the forwards. Yeah, we got Kang Cherim, Ko Minjong, Moon Mira, Park Eun-sun, Son Hwa-yeon, Jang Yu-bin, Jeon Eun-ha, Choi Yu-ri, and Chu Hyo-ju. All right. Um, Steve Allen, like, there. I mean, there's a lot of forwards. Which one of those forwards do you like? Who are you guys fans of? Well, I mean, like, I think Pagansun is like. Well, she was like the surprise choice for the squad when 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 Korea played Canada last month, I guess. And like, man, I, I think it was like seven years since she was selected for the national team. But I mean, there's no like, you can't deny her talents and like her physical abilities. She's like completely dominating when it, when you consider like. You know, like her, like in, in terms of size too. She's like she's so much bigger and stronger than the rest of her competition in Korea that I think it only makes sense that she comes back at least as a plan B. You know, you need a mm -hmm. you need a big forward there late in games. You put her on, and you know, hopefully she does something. Like that's, I think that's kind of like the thinking behind Colin Bell's choice to to select her finally. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her play um, because I think especially at this level, you know, East Asian East Asian Cup. Um, I think this is like the perfect stage for her to to make an impact and just make readjustments to play for Korea again. What about you, Alan? 
Yeah, so um, to be honest, I, I don't follow a ton of the women's national team. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Um, but I do know, obviously know, I do know who Imina is. And, you know, I think she has a great opportunity to make something out of her publicity. Um, obviously, she like kind of came into fame with, with her appearance. Um, but it turns out that, like, you know, from watching her highlights, that she's actually quite good yeah. as well. So, yeah. uh, so I, I would really like to see her kind of take advantage of that to kind of, you know, spread the awareness of Korean football uh, on the women's side. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's who I'm most excited for. For me, I, I one one for I really like that plays a lot lately is um, Kang Tae-ryun. I think she's just, like, very much um, – she reminds me of Hwang Yi-chan. Like, just the mm. way that she's very, like, high-presser, high energy all the time and just like always chases everything. I really like Kang Chae-ryum, how she plays. Um, and I think obviously like Colin Bell really likes that as well because he starts her a lot. So overall, like I think this is, you know, a solid squad and I think it's time for them to, you know, you know, go into a match with, with Japan and really just dominate it, really mm. control it and try to win it. So yeah. I'm excited for them. I think that this is, you know, a really good opportunity for them. And obviously, you know, they're pe- preparing for Australia, New Zealand next year. They're, tr- preparing for the women's world cup so they got to get as many competitive games as in as possible so now i feel like we have done justice to the women's team right <laughs> um i think so i, 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 I so. apologize but i don't yeah. know i don't know what i was thinking with this uh with doing that but um no it, it was I'm, actually pretty funny so match. i think it works yeah yeah no i'm gonna be i am I'm, I'm not gonna lie i will watch all their matches i always do um i really like watching them I'm really glad that Jason got to go to the match last month and sort of talk to them as well. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. He messaged me about, like, the, the coverage, um, the details, and I was, like, I was trying to help him out. And I just, like, he was, he was like, worried about, like, you know, what to wear and things like that. I was, like, dude, like, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Like, I walk in there with, like, ripped jeans, baseball hat. Like, it doesn't make a difference. So, and, like, I think I mean, he, he looks good anyway. He always that. does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I <laughs> like, you know, it's, like, all you need is common sense when you go to places like that. You know what I mean? All right, now let's talk about Paolo Bento's Asian-only squad. He doesn't have any of his Europe-based stars, so let's mm-hmm. sort of get into that. Um, uh, hmm. How about Steve? Can you give us our um, our goalkeepers? Give me one second. I've got to pull up the squad. That, but, I mean, I guess I can just say it. Uh, it's Cho Yeonwoo, Kim Dong-jun, mm-hmm. and um, what's his face? <laughs> <laughs> who's the who's the third goalkeeper? Cho Yeonwoo, Kim Dong-jun, and who is it? Song Bom-gun. Song Bom-gun, yeah. You know, what, you know what's surprising about this? That the two other goalkeepers, they don't have an international cap, but they've been getting called up for about a year now. <laughs> I, f- I actually find that pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of odd. I mean, yeah. now is the as good a time as ever for them to get their first cap because Kim Seung-gu is not there, so yeah. he might as well try them. But- I promise you, like, I wouldn't be surprised if only one of them makes their international debut. Because I Which think. Which one would you think would do it? I think Bento starts Choyonu against China and Japan, and maybe against Hong Kong. He tries another dif- another goalkeeper. And if I have to pick one, I mean, I think logic kind of tells me that he'll lean more towards Song Bumgun just because he's been getting called up for a longer period than, 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 than Kim Dong Jun. But. You know, like who really knows? It could be a case where he just starts showing all three games. I, that wouldn't surprise me either. And another thing that's shocking about this—I mean, not shocking, but that surprised me a little bit when I was looking at the squad. Like, I actually just realized this—that Choyonu only has like 21 international caps. 
Like that's a, I mean, like it makes sense because like you know when he when he started for Korea at the last World Cup, nobody really expected that until they saw the lineup, and then right after the World Cup, Bento came to Korea and his preference was was Kim Sung Gyu. So he like surprisingly like he's such a like Chunhyun is such a popular player and he's a good player. Make no mistake about that. But the fact that he only has twenty one caps, it's it's pretty damn surprising to me. All right, I'm gonna give us our defenders. Um, Kwon Kyungwon, Kim Munhwan, Kim Youngwan, Kim Jusong, Kim Jinsu, Yoon Jongkyu, Lee Sangmin, Jo Yumin, and Hongchar. And um, I know that Alan has a lot to say about this. Yeah. Um, so I mean, with the with the fullbacks, can't really complain there. You know, these have been the players that that Bento has been picking. Um, Obviously, you don't see Kim Taewon due to injury. Uh, I'm not quite sure why Leon wasn't selected, um, but I really do hope that Kim Moon I'm a big fan of, uh, really secures a starting spot here and shows us that he deserves to start at the World Cup. Um, but my, my main concern right now is with the center backs. Um, obviously, we do have the two left-footed center backs in, in Kim Young-won and Kwang Young-won. Uh, but I'm, I'm worried what what the team's going to be doing with the, with the right center back. Um, it could be the case that both of them start. Um, but right now, the truth is that Kim and Jay needs a backup. Um, there are, there is a very possible. There, it is possible that you know Min Jay might get you know an injured in the middle of one game, and if that's the case, then who's going to come in? Uh, the clear candidate is Park Ji Soo, but but he's still injured, um, and that leaves us with you know looking at either Lee Sang Min, who was a backup for Seoul until he started a couple games ago when uh, Lee Han Bum got injured, uh, Kim Ju Son, who doesn't have any international experience that I know of, and Cho Yu Min, who is playing in the the second league. Right now, um, and that makes me a little bit worried. You know, I don't, I don't really understand why Chung Zhiyun wasn't picked for this round. Uh, he seems to be the the third best center back on that's, that's right footed out of the Korean team so far. He also has been to the World Cup before, so I think that he should be viewed as someone who sh absolutely should have been picked over someone like Lee Sang Min uh, in this in this uh, tournament. But yeah, that, that's that's my main concern with the team right now. Steve, what do you think? No, I, I was actually going to bring that up too. The fact that all of the right the right footed defend the center backs don't have much experience at this level. But you know, on the flip side, like you're playing against a heavily you know like completely uh, like a depleted Chinese team, and then you've got Hong Kong in there, and you are also playing against a depleted Japanese team. So if there was any chance for Korea to test some of their younger center backs or inexperienced center backs, I think this was the tournament to do that. But um, yeah, I, I think Alan's right. I mean, you like it's it's true that Korea don't have like a s solid prepared backup for for Kim Min Jae, but at the same time, like if Kim Min Jae is injured and he can't play at the World Cup, Korea will be screwed either way. Like regardless of whether or not they have a backup. Like let's be honest about that. I mean, I love Kim Young Won, but you need another player to pair up pair him up with and if korea don't have kim min jae for the world cup which i like i mean let's hope that he doesn't get injured but if kim min jae gets injured then it's panic time i mean you're right you're right i mean kim min jae needs to be at the world cup and if if uh if he gets injured before the world cup then i also agree that korea is pretty screwed uh, but there's still levels to it i'd say you know there's yeah. no way that lee sang min should be playing in a world cup game right now yeah 
On the other hand, someone like Chung Seung has already been to the World Cup before, and he can, you know, even if he's sitting in the bench, he could be a great yeah. team player. And you know, even though the the teams that we're facing in this tournament is, is or they're not very good, I still think that there's a lot of value in training with the team and you know getting getting closer with, sure. with, the, with the other players and yeah. you know understanding the coach's system is better. And so. I, I don't love the the call right now for Bento um, to to pick some some prospects over someone like Tong Zhengyun. Um Cho Yun Min I think has a little bit more potential, uh, but really so the main my main my main problem right now is with with Lee Sang Min for sure. Yeah, and you know like it wouldn't surprise me if guys like Kim Ju Sung and Lee Sang Min don't play at all in this tournament. Because Bento does that. Like he will pick new players and then he will sit them for like the first two like two three call-ups and then he'll start playing them but you know we're four months away from the world cup so we'll, we'll see what happens and, and this is a different kind of tournament too so we'll see i guess but it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't play them at all, all so right. just to uh, confirm i i'm not missing anything in, in saying that the tongue just wasn't picked right like it wasn't like it was because of injury um, i don't think just... not that i know of I mean, maybe maybe he has an injury that we don't know, like because like it's really hard to follow injuries in the K League. It's like because those things don't get released most of the time, but like not that I know of. Yeah. All right. Um, Alan, uh, tell us about the midfielders. Yeah, we got Tang Sungjin, Ko Youngjun, Kwon Changwon, Kim Donghyun, Kim Jingyu, Na Sangwo, uh, Son Juno, who got hurt and was replaced by Lee Young Jae, Park Sing Ho, Omon Sang, Lee Gi Hyuk, and Hwang In Bum. All right, Steve, I'm just going to go straight to you. What do you think about this midfield? Well, I mean, like, it's a heartbreak because we lost uh, Son Juno, who I had really high hopes for. I mean, he's had some troubles with, you know, like moving back and forth between Korea and China. So he wasn't, like, eligible to play for Korea over the last, I don't know, six months or so. But, I mean, I think he was like the perfect player who would have been like the, the the missing piece to the puzzle that Bento was trying to put together because this guy, he has pace, he has toughness, you know, he can initiate duels, he can pass, he passes forward most, like most importantly. Um, he was one of those players who would have really added that like another element to the way Korea plays under, under Bento. And to see him like it's, the, the injury is looking pretty bad, to be honest with you. It's a, it's a, it's a ligament tear, so it could be a situation where it'll have like his injury will have an impact for his availability for the World Cup, I guess, uh, which would be a big, big heartbreak because I, I think we, I, I really do think Korea needed him for the not not just for this tournament, but for the World Cup because you play against a team like Uruguay, you know, like I, I, I think I was talking about this in our chat too. Like, you, Korea will need eleven dogs to play to to. Even even get a point against Uruguay, like that much mm -hmm. I'm certain. And Sonjuno was was one of those players, and to see him kind of miss out on his chance like this, it's 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 really disappointing. All right, Alan, um, your sort of thought with with uh, this midfield was that like there's a little bit of a lack of a certain position. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. This this really goes builds off of what what Steve was just saying. You know. You look at this lineup. There's really no CDMs anymore. Um, I I too was super excited to see to see Son Juno. Um, it's it's been a long time that we need to uh, find a backup for Chung Young, and I thought that you know Son Juno could be that perfect backup, or even start alongside him for 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 um, you know a stronger side like Portugal or Uruguay. Um, so I'm also really devastated to see that that Son Juno um, got injured right before his you know his big chance. 
Um, I'm curious to see what his chances are like for, for going to the World Cup now. Um, but, you know, who's going to play CDM now? You know, I've, I've, I've seen Peck Singh enough times in CDM to say that he should not be the, the CDM guy anymore. Um, I don't think that Kim Dong-un has the international experience to be, to be you know, a, a solid CDM for the team. Uh, one person that I think we could have picked um, as a replacement for Son Juno is, is Won Doo-jae. I know he was suffering with injuries, but um, I watched him, um, his performance in, in his most recent couple games, and I was very happy with it. Uh, he looked he looked like his uh, his his uh, his self when, when he first joined Ulsan and got a lot of attention for being the next Ki Sung-yong. Um, I think we also could have picked Ko Jung-bum, who I'm not quite sure why he wasn't picked in this round, even though he was he was picked a bunch of times beforehand. Um, so yeah, that, that's I mean, you can you can like refute my my argument with saying you know we're playing some trash teams. I mean, not trash teams, but you know we're going to be offensive minded against, and we don't really need someone like that. But like I said before, you know, I think a bigger value that comes from just playing in this East Asian Cup is is you know getting a sense of uh, of team um, within within the within the the Korean national team before before going for the World Cup. So I would have loved to see someone like Won Jae play even against a uh, a team that we're going to be, you know, having 80% of the possession in. Um, so that, that's my that's my one uh, worry about the team right now. Okay, I got to ask this for both of you guys. But um, for me, uh, I was really upset that Lee Seung-woo didn't get picked. Uh, is that a, an opinion that both of you guys share? Like, were you also upset that, like, someone like Lee Gyuk from Suwon FC was selected over Isumu. <laughs> well, upset, not really. But, I mean, was I surprised? I mean, not really. I actually kind of expected him to get, him to not get selected this time. Because, you know, once Bento drops a player and doesn't pick him for a certain amount of time, that's a pretty bad sign for that player. Because I've seen time and time again, Bento would try a player and then he drops him and then he doesn't pick him again. Like, it's a very rare situation with Kim Munan because he wasn't selecting Kim Munan since, like, September last year. And then Kim Munan came back last month, I guess, for the first time in, like, eight months. And it's very rare Bento does that, like, where he leaves out a player for eight months and picks him again. So I think the fact that Bento hasn't picked Lee Sung-woo in years, like, maybe, like, what was it, like, two years, three years he hasn't picked him for? So I, it, it, it wasn't a surprise to me. Is it unfair I think you can make an argument and say that it was, you know, but you know, at the same time, there's a player like Chimingi who has been scoring goals left and right in the K League for the last two, three, or even more years, and he hasn't even gotten a call up. So, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, there's a whole bunch of other players who can say, "Hey, this isn't fair that I got, I didn't get selected." So, you know, like we, it's like another can of worms that we can open up. But like, honestly, to be completely honest with you, knowing how Bento has been managing this team, um, and he has my support. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not one of those like Bento haters either, but at the same time, I wasn't really surprised that Isungu wasn't selected this time. Alan, do you agree? Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't that surprised either. Um, it seems like Bento just does not want Isungu on his team. My guess is that he made an awful impression when he was being selected a couple times earlier on his in his tenure. Um, but my my one thing is why Igiho. Igiho <laughs> playing the same team as as Isungu and plays like like fifteen minutes a game. Why why is he the guy that you pick instead? Um, I think I think someone like someone like Kim Dae you know, picking someone like Kim Dae that would make sense. You know, he's going off right yeah. now. He has yeah. more plays, more um, you know um, I guess 
how do you say "kungyok" pointer in, in in English? Like the goal involvement. Goal yeah, involvement. Yeah, he has more yeah. goal yeah, yeah. involvement than So, like statistically and also you know playing style wise, he would have been a better fit. So, like, where is he? Um, but you know, I'm not gonna nitpick over over the decisions that Bento makes. You know, I, I also agree with Steve. I think he's a great coach, one of the best coaches that Korea's had in a very long time. So, you know, even though I do have some frustrations with the center back and the CDM, I, I still think that he is he he I, he's my full support going into the World Cup. Um, so you know, I'm not I'm not too upset that that Isengu wasn't selected either. Yeah, and the thing about that is like you know when we look at the some of the backup players that bento selects it's like you, you like alan's right you kind of go oh like what what was that all about and then like but in the end it doesn't even matter because he doesn't play them so like either way it, it, it doesn't in the end it doesn't really make a difference whereas like if you pick a player like isumu and you sit him on the bench and you don't play him at all like there's always this like isumu and his volatile personality like you don't know what he's gonna do on the bench I, i'm not sure if you guys remember but back in 2019 during the Asian Cup he didn't get on the pitch and he started pick, kick, 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 kicking water bottles throwing towels and that became a huge controversy around the team and maybe and I don't know if this is Bento's thinking but maybe he doesn't want to take chances on any of that kind of stuff so yeah that's like it, it makes you wonder a little bit you know what I mean yeah I, I remember that and I think that, that that's what I mean when I say that like you know Bento's just done with his like doesn't like his attitude or something like that just doesn't want to see him on his team ever again um, I can only imagine what the what the Suwon FC clubhouse is like right now, seeing Isingo uh, <laughs> with the team right now, but he's the only way to to play for this play this tournament. Um, but I just wanted to ask Steve, who are some other players that you know he's, uh, that Benzo picked a couple times and then just like never ever you know selected ever again? Because I, I thought that that was an interesting point that you made, but I couldn't think of other players other than Isingo who who are in that situation. Let's see. Um, I mean, I, I like honestly, like I can't think of names off the top of my head, but I'm trying to remember because, like, when you go back and look at the games that Korea played right after Bento came, like in 2018, you know, and you when you look at their starting eleven, like it's not very different from the starting eleven that you see right now. You know, outside of the players that retired, like Key and Ku, guys like that. Um, and you, you look at it, like, one of my favorite players for Korea, honestly, it's Chu Sejong. But, like, he got dropped one time, and he, he yeah. hasn't, back, he hasn't yeah, been that's, back that's since. One. The yeah, other one that so. I'm thinking of is, um, the other guy that I was just thinking of um, is Kang sang He's also been tried, like, selected a couple times and yeah. never played and gotten dropped. Yeah. I think he played, like, one or two games. Like, he came off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I, I've got a joke to make um, that I think uh, Steve's going to love this uh the forwards are um, my favorite forward, Jogi Sung <laughs> and Toyomu. Those are the forwards for this team. Yeah, no, I mean it's a good li- it's a it's a good line of strikers for sure. No, I think it's it, it it shows you Bento's preference when it comes to strikers. I don't think he wants a striker who plays with his back to goal. I mean that's something Jogi Sung can do, but I don't think that's his strongest game either. And when you look at somebody like Choyong it's like he's very similar to Chidongwon. You know what I mean? In mm. the sense that he can play all across the front line. He can play on the right, play on the left, and through the middle. Um, he's not your out-and-out striker. But, you know, he's got some goals in him too. But he can drop back and play as sort of like a playmaker as well. Um, so the thing about Bento is that he has this game model that he wants to play. And when he selects these backups, like, you know, a lot of coaches, when they select backups, they want their backups to be different 
in terms of styles compared to their starters. That's how some coaches are. But I think with Bento, when he selects backups, he wants them to be players that can be like-for-like -like replacements with players that he starts. So I, 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 I honestly think that's pretty fascinating. And I'm actually like really curious to see how that's going to work at World Cup level for Korea. I just want to say this. Um, so one, I'm a big fan of Cho Gyu-sung, but I'm also, I've always been a big fan of Cho Yong. Like ever oh, you since were. that guy, yeah. Ever since that guy did, uh, he sort of burst on the scene at the uh, U20 World Cup in Korea. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I went to a couple of their matches. I was like, oh, this guy is good. Mm -hmm. Like I was like watching him on TV. I was like, this guy is good. And he's like, yeah, he's always still been in what, whether it's U23 mm -hmm. teams. He's always on those. He yeah. went to another <laughs> U20 World Cup. Yeah, he broke into the national league. But I was always just like, yeah. this guy's good. Like he's gonna be around for a while. Yeah, and so I'm a big fan of him. And I was sort of like really excited to hear that like there are even smaller teams just sort of looking at him in Europe. So I'm very yeah. excited for him. All right. The yeah. next thing we should do, um, guys, let's sort of like just uh, let's let's make a lineup. Let's see like how could Bento line up his Asian-based squad to to make a good eleven. What do you think he should do? Um, like in terms of like the starting eleven. Yeah. Let's 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 sort of let's do that. Let's see. What do we think would be the best back four that he could do? The best back four. I mean, I think right uh, goalkeeper. Starting with goalkeeper, it probably starts Choyonu. I think mm -hmm. it's. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts all three games, but I think he starts at least two. Um, and then the right back position, I'll go Kim Munwan just because he's the more experienced player compared to um, Yun Jonggyu. And left back position, I think he starts either or because both players pretty much. You know, I think they share playing time like 50-50 during, during World Cup qualifying. But if I have to pick one, if the World Cup started today, I'll go with Kim Jin-soo just because I think he's, uh, he's slightly more experienced, which is kind of weird to say because he's never played at the World Cup, but that's because of injuries both times. Um, and uh, center back, I'll go Kim Young-won. And um, this, is the, this, is, this is the tough part because you don't know which right-footed defender will get you know, we'll get the get the start over over the others. But I actually, th it, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, seeing how the June friendlies went, it wouldn't surprise me if Bento starts both uh, Kim Young-won and Kwon Gyeong-won. It wouldn't surprise me if he does that. Because I think both players are going to end up going to the World Cup anyway. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably my best back four. We're, we're all in agreement that that's like, you know, the best back four, right, Alan? I think it's the most reasonable one. Yeah, yeah I mean, what I would say is that I want to see Choi Yoo-min play. Um, I remember watching him in the Asian Games. Uh, that's yeah. something the gold medal in and being mm -hmm. very impressed with him. Yeah, he was good. I remember Kim Ak-bom rotated between him, Chung Tae-wook, and Hwang Yun-su. And despite the fact that Choi Yoo-min had the least amount of attention coming into the World Cup, I mean, coming into that tournament, you know, he, he I thought that he played the best and he impressed me the most. So I do want to see how he plays despite the fact that he's, you know, playing the second league right now. Um and also, you know, I think that Bento system works better when the right center back is already. Um, so I, I agree that the most reasonable is probably doing Kim Young-won and Kong Young-won. But I do think that at least one of the games, Choi Min should get the nod. Okay. Uh, let's go into the midfield. Um, just with the fact that, like, Bento loves having some sort of, like, CDM player, how are we going to make a midfield three with this? Like, what's the most reasonable way to do it? I think it's pretty straightforward. I think he starts Bexingo at the back of the midfield, and he's like, 
I think 120%, he starts Huang Inbum right next to him. Uh, attacking midfielder, that's where it gets tough, I guess. I mean, if Lee Dong-kyung was still playing in the K-League, I think he definitely gets selected and he plays in this tournament. Um, if it were up to me, though, I would start Lee Young-jae. He's probably my favorite, one of my favorite players in the K-League. I um, really love watching mm-hmm. him play. I know he was a replacement player for Son Juno this time, but if the choice was up to me, that's, how, that, that's who I go for. Who do you think that he will go for as his attacking midfielder? Like, who do you think? Um, so there's obviously like Quan yeah. is sort of like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's you sort of too. I think it's possible that he starts um, Quan Changwon as his attacking midfielder, and I think it's worth trying too because against a team like Uruguay at the World Cup, I don't think it's smart for smart for Korea to you know play too wide. And you know, stretch themselves out that way. I actually think it would be better for Korea if they play a lot more compact, play two strikers up front, and play Kwon Kyungwon behind them as a play. I mean, not Kwon Kyungwon, Kwon as a playmaker right behind them. I think that's the more effective way to go about it, and be a little deceptive too, because when you have Son Heung-min, Hwang Ijo, uh, Kwon Kyungwon all starting as a front three, your opponent will like assume that this is going to be. Like a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three formation with two wingers and 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 Hwang Ijo up front, but I think Bento has to be a little deceptive here, and have Son playing uh, play through the middle, have Hwang Ijo play in striker position, and have have Kwon Changwon play right behind them, sort of like a reverse triangle, and just act as a playmaker. And I think, I honestly think that's the best shape for Korea against a team like Uruguay, and maybe this is the tournament where he can test that system because. Um, when you look at when you go back and look at some of the friendlies in June, Bento's actually leading towards a four four two, or at least that's the impression that I get. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how he lines up the midfield. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with you here a little bit, Steve. Um, <laughs> I I think that Kwon Changun needs to play the right wing. Um, I think, you know, he is just so potent when he makes that move inside. From yeah, from no, the you're right. Yeah, um, and I do. I don't love the idea of him just staying in the middle. No, yeah, no, um, that's I, true. I actually agree with you. Yeah, so that's why. That's why I said like I think Bento has to be a little deceptive. So you do play Guan Changun as like a defector right winger, but you want him to sort of do his damage inside. You know, like I don't mm. know if that makes sense, but you know, be a little deceptive, make it look like a wide, you know, like two wingers, one striker kind of formation, and then when the actual game starts, you have Guan Changun. Uh, staying tucked in a little bit and doing his damage there. But yeah, you're right. Like, Kwon Chang-un, when he starts his run from the right wing, he's a lot more dangerous than when he just picks up the ball in the middle because sometimes he ends up just hogging the ball. And that's, you know, that's obviously not good for the team. All right, I'm going to make a midfield that's like a little just unconventional or might not be popular with you guys. Uh, What about um, Kim Jin-gyu, Hwang In-bum, and someone like... Song Mingyu, for example. Oh, like, you, like Song Mingyu playing centrally? Mm. That is very unconventional. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because Song Mingyu can play centrally. Um, but if I were to play Song Mingyu centrally, I'll play him as a striker rather than a midfielder. Mm, okay. Just because you know he can, you know, he, he he's aerially. I think he's pretty good in the air. Um, when you play him, when you play him up front like that, but when you play him in like a withdrawn role as like an attacking midfielder or like a second striker, 
I, I, I guess he can play that position. He certainly has the skills for it. But, you know, when you play him deeper, I think he's better off playing on the wings. I think my roster idea was to not play Bexumo. That oh. was sort of more my idea. I thought you uh, liked him. What happened? I, I guess I fell out of love with him. Yeah, I guess oh, that's man. what it is. I think that yeah. that happened. Um, that easy. I huh? like Kim Jingu. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a. No, Kim Jingu is a very good player. Yeah, yeah I actually I'm, like. I'm excited yeah. about him. Yeah, no. So it wouldn't surprise me if Inbum plays as like a, at, you know, like a makeshift defensive midfielder with Kim Jingu playing right next to him. I think that's a possibility because Kim Jingu, every time he plays for Korea, he's actually pretty damn good. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets the start. All right, let's say like we're talking about forwards. Um, who do you guys want to see? Um, who do you guys want to see playing or starting uh, up front for Korea? I think it has to be Cho Gyu-sung. I mean, he's the only real out-and-out striker in this squad, so I, I think it's, that's like the most reasonable choice, I guess. Um, and the fact he's he's having a good season at his club. Um, he's played well for Korea every time he's played. He's looked impressive. Um, obviously, experience is a concern for him because I don't think he's he probably played about five games against non-Asian teams in his professional career. Um, so that's a bit of a concern, but Hey, like you got to start somewhere. And I don't, I don't think it hurts Korea to, to, you know, include him in the squad and maybe play him as a backup. But so, yeah, like this is a, this is the perfect tournament for him to really show that, you know, he has a place on this team because I expect him to perform here. Give us two, three goals in this tournament. I would love to see Omwan Sang and uh, Song Min Gu get starts just like playing around or supporting Cho Gu Sang. Those are the two guys that I really want to see yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, no, like I, I think Bento has to find a way. This is this is like the perfect training camp for Bento to figure out how to use Cho Gu Sang. I think. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm actually very excited for this tournament because I just think like it's always fun to beat Japan. I'm very excited to do <laughs> yeah. it. So yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun one. So do you guys think what like do you guys think it's completely unacceptable for Korea to finish this tournament without a trophy? Or like, would you give them the benefit of the doubt given that this is sort of like a friendly tournament? I care way more about the games, how the games are played rather than the result. Uh, to be honest, it, it really does not mean that much to me whether they won this tournament or not. Yeah. Um, I just want to see Bento show that, you know, he has a good sense of what he wants to do at the World Cup and he has a good sense of which players he, he thinks are, are um, you know, going to be a part of his roster. Um, so as long as, you know, certain players show a lot of promise that they, they deserve to be at the World Cup, you know, I got my eyes on Kim Jingyu as well. He's played super well at every single international game he's played so far. Um, you know, someone like him, as long as like, someone like him plays well, then, then you know, I'm not going to get too upset if, if, uh, if Korea doesn't win this. For me, I kind of want to win this, but I also, you know, the rational side of me, the reasonable side of me obviously totally agrees with Alan. I think we got to keep planning for the World Cup, keep making sure that we're working on our game plan and sort of just getting everything set for how we're going to play at the World Cup. But I think I I really, really, you know, I really love beating Japan. So that's that's the big thing <laughs> for me. I want to I win the last game against Japan. 
I think so they will. They will. Let's do a let's do a prediction for the Japan game. I mean, because I think China and Hong Kong games are pretty negligible. Like, let's be honest about that. For the Japan game, because I think that's a 50-50 game, to be honest with you, because it's being played in Japan, and Japan has a really good depth too. I think in terms of depth, they're definitely above Korea. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna admit that. And I think when you so when you look at it from that standpoint, I think it's gonna be a good game, especially because it's gonna be played in Japan. My objective prediction is that it's gonna be a draw. But like, what do you guys say? Alan, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Koreans have a way of, of beating Japan whenever it matters. Um, also, we have <laughs> we're coming off a few disappointing losses to Japan. Yeah, um, a couple of different age groups. So, I'm pretty confident that the players will be motivated enough to you know run their hearts out and, and win. Um, I think that right now Korea's strong suit in this in this team right now is their offense for sure. So, um, my money's going to be a high scoring game, maybe like three two, where where Korea wins by a goal. I like that a lot, Alan. I like that a lot. But you're not going to agree with him? No, I, I'm saying I like that a lot, and I agree with him. <laughs> I, I could totally back that score as happening. I think that, you know, we yeah, we, we want this team to score goals, and we believe they can. So, yeah, let's let's go with something like that, like a 3-2 win or something. Yeah, no, so, they, yeah. You know, so, like, if I have to make a prediction, I do think Korea, like, whether they draw with Japan or they beat them, I think they end up winning the tournament anyway. So, mm. I, and I... Like, I don't know if you can say that that's having high hopes, but, like, anything less than not winning this tournament would sort of be a, not a disappointment, but a concern. Because you play against Hong Kong team that's not even bringing their best players. Like, when you look at their squad, they're missing some of their best players. When you look at China, they're pretty much bringing a team that's barely a national team for them. So it's it's really just Japan that's the home, that's the home team. But even then, Japan's not bringing their strongest uh, domestic players either. So there's really no excuse for Korea to not win this tournament. I know, like, the result of this tournament is not going to determine anything when it comes to the World Cup. But, you know, competition is competition. And I think there's no excuse for them to not win it. So two trophies, right? Two trophies for us, right? That's what we want? Uh, women's and men's. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, for women's, it would, be a, it would mean a lot more if they can win this tournament. Because, you know, Japan, China, these are, these are pretty strong teams. Even, like, global standards... China and Japan are good teams, so if they, if Korea can go to Japan and beat these teams, that would be that would be amazing. That would that would actually be a real accomplishment. You know, I whereas think- like if if Bento and Korea beats Japan, you know yeah, the the, the men's tournament. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's nice. It's 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 nice when you when you win any game, but it's not going to be considered like a milestone achievement. You know what I mean? But I think if Korea goes to Japan and they beat Japan at like women's competition, if they beat Japan and win that tournament for the women's team, I think that's a milestone uh, accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, I think like Colin Bell, obviously, he's building something, and he's yeah. sort of building towards his milestone achievement because, like, obviously, like you know, getting to the Asian Cup final. And then sort of like losing it heartbreakingly to China and also yeah. like not having to play Japan to get there was, yeah. you know, still a heartbreak for him. Um, but he still got them farther than they've ever been. So he's sort of building towards this like achievement where he can say like, I won something important. I think this yeah. is kind of the time to do it. Yeah. And but, like, um, make no mistake. I think Colin Bell has been amazing for Korean women's team because yeah. I mean, there was this one idiot on Twitter who was like arguing with me that Colin Bell actually made that. Korea worse. I remember, like, I don't that. remember who it was, but there was this one idiot who was arguing and who was making that argument and it just didn't make any sense to me. But like, make no mistake, Colin Bell has been unbelievable for Korean women's team. Like, I don't think he's probably the best decision that they could have made 
and like give a lot of credit to Kim Pankun because he made the right hire. Yeah. All right. Um, I feel like it's time for us to wrap up. So let's sort of talk about the upcoming episodes that we're going to have. Um, so one thing that the Tavern crew has wanted to talk about and just sort of wanted to commemorate was we wanted to do a Sonungmin special episode where um, probably Bennett or Jason and maybe Kevin Kim would just sort of come on and just like wax lyrical about the amazing season that Sonungmin just had winning the Golden Boot. We're going to try to do that hopefully before the new season starts. And then also we want to try to um, do a transfer window, like just closing roundup of the of the window just sort of see what happened with the korean players yeah. obviously there will be some completed moves that we'll have to dissect and talk about but those are the um two upcoming episodes yeah and then also steve yeah. you have a big important podcast you got to talk about <laughs> yeah so um yeah i mean i think i talked about it a little bit too last time i was on here i, I think i talked mm-hmm. about it briefly so this podcast that i do uh, it's called fair point um, I hosted, I'm the host, actually. I hosted in Korean. Um, but believe it or not, it's a four-man team, but all four of us speak pretty damn good English. So anytime you guys want to collaborate, any kind of collaboration with Fairpoint uh, Tavern, we're open, obviously. So just let me know, and we'll work something out. We, I feel like we could also send somebody that could talk in Korean with you guys because we have a couple fluent yeah. guys. Yeah, that could be of really course. fun too. Yeah, yeah. Can, so we'll have some so, of you guys on, and then you know yeah. we can be some of we can be on some of your podcasts. Like I, there's you know the opportunities are endless, man. Yeah, I do. I do want to bring June on the podcast sometime soon because he seems like that a really guy fun knows guy. what he's doing. I mean, he knows what he's yeah. talking about because that yeah. guy, like, he is hardcore, man. Like he lived. He he used to live in London. He's a hardcore Fulham fan. And that kind of gives you a pretty good idea of what kind of hardcore fan he is because he watches yeah. like every single one of Fulham's championship games, which is like super hardcore. Um, but yeah, he like June is June is awesome. And he also edits our our um, our podcast, too. And, um, you know, I, I owe him like forever for, for, for doing that for us um, because like he kind of took on that role um, kind of against his will, too. Like it was almost like forced on him. So like I feel really bad. Because like one of our editors, he just like left without telling us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He moved to Korea and he just started and he just stopped doing. Po- he, just, he just stopped podcasting with us. So June kind of took the responsibility of um, editing them as well, editing the, the all the episodes as well. So yeah, like he's a he's probably the most important member of Fairpoint Podcast. And he's also a part of our new draft fantasy Premier League. Oh, he's- he is. He's in. He's in. Yeah, he didn't even tell me anything about that. Yeah, I'm actually going to text him right after this. All right. Alan, uh, you got any last words before we go? Yeah, I'm going to close by presenting my best 11 because I never got a chance to do that. Um, I'll go go Choyunu at goalkeeper. Uh, Kim Jinsu at left back. Um, I've noticed that Hong Chao, even though I liked him more in the past, his form has been slowly going down while Kim Jinsu is going up. So that's that's my starting left back. I'll go Kim Young-won at, at um, center back, partnered by Cho Yu-min. Um, Kim moon on at right back. Um, in the midfield, I want to see Kim Dong-hyun get, get his first start. Um, and alongside him, uh, I want to see Hwang In-bum and Kim Jin-gyu. And then up top, um, this isn't necessarily what I want to see the most, but I think I'm going to see uh, Cho Gyu-sung up top. That, that, I, that I fully stand by. Uh, Kwon Cheung at the right. I also stand by that, um, but Nasangu is probably going to play the left wing, which I don't love. But you know what? If, if Bento <laughs> loves him that much, then then I then I stand by him too. 
Steve, what do you think of that? I, I, I'm not, I'm a fan yeah. of it. I like it. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. And, and like speaking of Nasango, you know, I understand that he's probably not the most decisive attacking play, uh, player, you know, when it comes to like making a difference in the final third. But what he does extremely well when you watch him play, he drops deep and helps Korea play the ball out of the back. And I think he's one of the best players at doing that with him and Kwon Chang-un. So when you have Kwon Chang-un on the right, uh, Nasango on the left, it's like Korea's build-up play is so much smoother. Um, but the problem is, like, when you have Nasango playing in that position, you lack a little bit of decisiveness in the final th the final third. So that's the drawback. But, I mean, I, I actually like Nasango because I think he's an extremely skilled player. He just has to figure out a way to kind of add goals to his game on a more consistent basis. But other than that, like, he's a pretty good all-around player. So I do think he deserves to go to the World Cup, to be completely honest with you. Um, so, like... You know, a lot of people might not agree with me, but if I have to make a choice between Nasango and Isungu, I'm going Nasango every time. All right. Oh my gosh, this was a lot of fun. Um, oh, <laughs> I love getting you guys together because you guys really bounce off each other really well. And also, I was surprised that Alan was like had so many disagreements or like just points where he like built <laughs> off of or sort of like <laughs> argue with Steve. So I loved it. Um, Yo, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, remember to hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app. Also, we're going to link Steve's podcast for you so you can find him. Um, oh, if you're a you. Korean speaker, please listen to his podcast. Um, Namu raves about it all the time. He loves it. Yeah, dude, he actually he actually texts me about it sometimes, like telling me how much he enjoyed it. Like it's 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 that's awesome, man. Like I'm actually great. I'm actually really grateful that we actually have an audience for our podcast because the stuff that we talk about, it's like, you know, it's pretty in-depth stuff and it's not really for the general public to be completely honest with you. So to know that we have an audience that's you know, like, you know, we can't be more thankful. All right. So I feel like that's it for now. Um, we will most likely be seeing Steve before the world cup in November. We'll talk to him soon. We'll product. We'll try to get June in there, but for now, thank you so much for listening guys. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in August. Peace, awesome. Guys. Thanks, guys.